Thank you very much for both of you for speaking. After a year of being in Canada, I commend you on your wonderful English. Thank you. Very good English. And your deeply moving poem. I think it really touched all of us in our hearts that you've had such a hard time. And we hope that it will continue to get better. Uh, thank you, Christina, for talking about our complicity in um, in making it harder for people to integrate into Canada to be able to come here and feel welcome, and for sharing so much of your own um, difficulties with what would be easier and but versus your actual job. So thank you so much. I think all of us in Canada have a really hard time because we are a colonial nation and the arrogance and self-satisfiedness and uh, feeling that we are on top of everything and can tell everyone else what to do is kind of ingrained in that English um, background. So it's it's very good for us to look at ourselves closely and say what we say that we are not, we do not have the answers. Um, I'm very concerned about the issue of high school, and we were discussing it at our table. I know Peter Peel and I were both having ideas about the high school. Um, as an educator myself, I'm wondering if there isn't a possibility to give credits for people, English credits for people who are studying English as a second language, that year of English that you were talking about, and um, also to have some transfer credits for the year after that. I'm wondering if um, David Egan has been contacted in regard to this, um, to look at ways of continuing the education of teenagers. In high school, Peter was talking about maybe at college, but with the five years lost, the five years disappeared out of your life, you're really still a teenager, so it's probably better to be at a high school than at college. So um, I'm just wondering what steps have been taken to look at um, another, maybe another stream in high school specifically to allow young immigrant, you know, immigrant youth with many languages to be able to continue and not be punished.
can be in any school until 21, 21 years, not in a specific one. Yeah, so that's, I wanted to let Jehud go first because she's such a wonderful self-advocate. But um, from our professional's perspective, so I will like lead with the caveat, we work very closely with the Lester School Districts um, who are, whose ELL teams are working very hard to advocate for changes in, the, in um, policy. So I think that's a great suggestion, making sure that if we as a person say that young people have access to education until they're 21 under our um, you know, our education system, but don't actually allow them to go to, like who said, any school um, for that, and instead have to go to Victoria Park where a lot of it is independent work, which is not a great fit for all English learners. Um, so the district is working on it. Um, from my perspective, I would say that we do need to advocate politically for, um, for these kind of changes. I will clarify that they do get credits for those English classes, but it's not going to be enough credits, and they're not going to meet the other diploma requirements, which are those core classes. Um, and so there's that challenge, right? Is they'll be taking those classes, but they're not counting towards the general diploma requirements, which is a challenge. <laughs> um, and I've, I've heard of some innovations at different districts, that sort of at a district level, it doesn't get them the like provincially recognized Alberta diploma. Um, but does work to create you know, certificates and things like that to adjust for the work that has been put in. But I think it, it's a system change that needs to happen. Um, and I think the suggestion of making sure that people have access to any school is a really good idea. And so uh, Duke mentioned that one of her challenges is because she doesn't want to pursue um, higher post-secondary, meaning university. Uh, the challenge for that is um, we've had a number of other individuals come through our office that we're having a real challenge getting into university um, because at the college you can go and take some upgrading and things like that. You can even get into some college courses without that high school diploma, but there is a lot of extra barriers at getting into university beyond the high school diploma. So even if it is a high school diploma, it's um, or people who, who arrive as, say, 19, 20, 21-year-olds who have a high school diploma, have yet recognized for our post-secondary when they're coming from places where um, our accrediting bodies aren't considering that to be equivalent, uh, while they've already put in all that work and are ready to go to post-secondary. So it's some challenges in looking at ourselves of who, who are we. I, I, I'm aware from an education perspective that we are putting in these Barrier, or we're putting in these requirements as a way to ensure certain types of completion, for example, but we're unintentionally leaving out folks who have put in equivalent work um, and are not being equivalently recognized. My name is Van Christou. Um, I think that every one of us here in this room recognizes how difficult it is for a refugee to learn English, especially where they have a different alphabet, come from a different alphabet. And many of them come from having had no education at all uh, while in confinement in these camps. In order to have them learn English as quickly as possible, uh, it obviously puts a great deal of stress on our 
existing educational facilities uh, here in Lethbridge and across Canada. Uh, it's a system that's already, uh, in many people's opinions, overstressed in terms of class size and uh, requirements of the teachers. Um, that uh, this additional pressure could be very, very difficult for the system to carry and for the teachers individually to carry in their classrooms. Do you have any, my question is, do you have any feedback from the educational system, from the teachers, uh, from the principals, uh, from the system itself, as to how they're faring with the refugees that are coming? One of them think I very like in Canada here. For everything you get feedback, and everyone honestly with you from the beginning, like they don't lie on you. Then at the end they make you surprise. From the beginning, teacher was honestly and gave me anything, any feedback I need, anything I work, I want to work about it, and that makes me more. More I want to do. Like when you see the good reaction from teachers or from the principal, it is good from you to have the same reaction. Yes, I have heard many feedback from the from my teachers, all of them in a college, in Victoria Park, in LCI, and I think they are. I have never felt I'm in different country. All of them make me feel I am in my home, in my city, and between my family. Um, to address your comment about uh, to address your comment about um, schools feeling stressed already, and then adding this new component of, of requiring um, that schools support language learners. From our perspective, it's not that schools are ready to overburden; it's that they're under resourced. Um, <laughs> <laughs> young people have a right to education, and it is our responsibility to create for that right. So um, I think when, and this is sort of what I'm meaning by we should be framing our young, our youth, our young people as through their strengths, not their uh, barriers. They are not a burden on our system. They are an opportunity for us to grow. Um, especially in the example of government-assisted refugees. So some folks are coming as private sponsors, and some folks are coming as government-assisted refugees, and those who are coming as government-assisted refugees we bear the responsibility to provide what we promised. Um, in terms of providing the necessary resources, um, the feedback that we've heard from teachers is actually that through a variety of means, including the programs that Lethbridge Family Services offers, as well as the lead ELL, English Language Learner, ESL teachers, uh, or that both districts, the private, or the, sorry, the Catholic district and the public district both have lead ESL teachers who support any teacher in the district who will have an ELL student in their classroom. So if we show up, so for example, Ashley and I would show up at a school and say, hey, you have a new kid registry tomorrow. <laughs> um, and we work with the district to make sure that they have everything that they need to be prepared. So some teachers are better prepared than others because they've had necessary trainings. For example, we have very specific language learning classes in Wilson Middle School and Winston Churchill High School. Um, and in elementary, uh, teachers are not quite as trained for English language learners because they're more generalists. Uh, 
And so in those cases, we work very closely with the teachers through a program called Settlement Workers in Schools, where folks like Ashley um, will go in regularly to check in, what can we offer, how can we support, um, to make sure that they're having access to those resources for the social settlement. And then our counterpart at the district, David Fuller, is, um, is there to provide the educational development that they may need. So they, yeah, they're not, they're, people are not so worried about it, quite frankly. Teachers don't seem to be concerned. People are really excited to have new opportunities for their, their existing students and excited to welcome new people in their classrooms. This is a very short, long answer. <laughs> <clears throat> My name is Jean Fennell. I want you to know that we do welcome you. And you said that smiles are very important. And I have a big smile for you. And I would like to ask everybody in this room to give you a big smile right now. <laughs> because we do welcome you. We're interested in whether you have family, whether your family came with you from Syria. So could you tell us a little bit about yourself that way? Uh, I came to here with my parents and my sister and my little brother. I am the oldest kid for my parents. And uh, uh, actually the problem is we, were, we used to live in Lebanon with my auntie. And when we came to here, there started to be a mistake in the airport. So my auntie had to, leave, to stay in Lebanon and we came to here. And uh, then I think in December 16th, my auntie came to Canada, so one of uh, one like the last member in our family is came already, and we had a new member in our family. We had a new brother. He is six months old. He's the first Canadian baby here, <laughs> and uh, there is a church uh, work uh, to respond to my uncle and his family and like his wife and two twins. So and we waited them until came because in a new country, even you have everything friendly, like the people friendly, everything help you, but you need other family with you to make you feel you are more strong, you can't do anything with a family. And for Arabian culture, I don't know, maybe I touch it in Arabian culture more, the family is so important thing in your life, you can't live without it. They are gonna support you, help you, and you know, if even you, if you are, if you like did a mistake, they will correct you and learn you the right. So uh, I came with my friend, Mr. and my brother. Thank you. I'm giving you a big smile. <laughs> uh, I'd like to congratulate you on your English. Uh, being an immigrant myself, I had a heck of a time learning English when I first came, but you seem to have picked it up very fast. Uh, did you know some English before you came to Canada? Oh yeah, I have like little English and it wasn't that perfect. And it was like little, if you were, not that much. But my family, my friends, and even all of them support me and uh, like the most thing important that it helped me. I have goal from the beginning to learn English to get best education because I do believe my education is going to be my weapon to the future. Um, what about your parents and your older part of your family? Do they speak some English as well? Because that's 
Uh, they have more trouble learning English than the young people, of course, and your, your little siblings, they're, they're laughing because they learn English in no time. Yeah. Uh, what about your parents and your family? Do they know any English as well? When they came, I think my mom, she had some word like, two words you can say, I have no exactly number, and my dad, he has non-English, like never. But now, and he still say, I have no English, but because he didn't realize himself he speak, how he's speaking now, but my sister and I and all our friends, they start to realize my dad is to have more English. So I think his English gets better now, and he can, he, he can speak if he's lonely by himself, and don't always depend on us. Because I've been in Twitter for my family life for one year and three months. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Christina, maybe you could uh, answer my next question here. It's related to what are the resources being put into adult educa uh, educating adults in English? So when um, young people come, they go to our schools and seminars where they learn their English. Uh, and when adults come, and this is sort of something actually to touch on, is she's sort of between the groups, right? At 19, she's sort of between the adult language track and the young high school track. So it's interesting. But um, as an adult, uh, you initially take a test called a Salus test, and it uh, creates a language level for you. And that determines whether you go to Flexibility Learning Center downtown uh, for the initial levels of English training or to the college um, for upper levels of English training. Both are funded by a program called LINK through the uh, federal government. And you stay in the class assigned to you um, based on your test and sort of fluidly move through the levels as you're prepared. So uh, the instructor, language instructors at those facilities will move you through the levels as you go. So, and all the language learning, from my understanding, is, is done sort of as a also skill building. Um, so you're learning language not just sort of in a classroom setting, how we might imagine, you know, elementary school, uh, because they are adults. <laughs> um, and they learn language related to the skills that they need to be successful in any way. <laughs> this will be the easy one. Uh, hello everyone, my name is Sheila and I'm a personal friend of these two lovely young ladies and my background is a high school English teacher and guidance counselor. So although I thought I had retired six years ago, I have two rock star students that I tutor and mentor. So. We get together two or three times a week and work on their studies. And I want to tell you that these two girls are amazing. Um, Lena was the first student in I don't know how many years, but she completed a science course at Victoria Park in four weeks during summer school by correspondence. So they are very intelligent, they're bright, they're articulate, and I think if I have a message for you, it's that when immigrant youth come to Canada, we cannot make the assumption that they need to go into the world of work right away and uh, I guess have a lifetime of entry-level occupations. 
Um, these, these girls have professional goals. They want to be a pharmacist, teacher, nurse, something along that line. And their father, Mohammed, said that that is why he wanted to come to Canada, so that his children could continue their studies. Um, they come from a family where people are very well educated. Dahuk spoke of Auntie Safa, who arrived in December. She is an accredited Arabic teacher, teaches Arabic grammar, and was employed in Syria. So the resources that these families bring are incredible. I do have a question, though. Dahuk, last night when we were talking about what you would speak about, we talked about the one year of sponsorships, whether it's government sponsorship or private. And we talked about how fast that one year goes. And you were especially concerned about your mom and dad. Could you speak to that a little bit more? Oh, yeah. I think we have either October, say the time is going like the plane of ice. And that's what we feel like the whole year. It was just like one minute, one moment, and it's not enough about anything about your English language, about our English language, about our social structure, or about anything. One year is not enough to refugee from anywhere in the world to Canada or to any countries. I think we should to take this point in in consider because they need more time and if we are tell them like you will be ready for one year we will put them in a pressure and you will be in a pressure and you will just running with that time and when you arrive to the end of the year you will be so like I am tired I can't do it I want back I won't go back to my country. It's not fair to say for people, say person, you have one year to rebuild your life. Because sometimes these people, they have to rebuild their, their life from the under zero. And it takes time. It is, all, it is the same when you try to bring a child and raise a child. You can't give them the rule and all of them to, like, all the rule in one time. You should to give them, like, in a step, step by step, tell them because they have, most of them they have harshly, they had harshly life in a war or in a refugee life, so they had to little bit settle and they start to think calmly. And I told Sheila and I told the person who came to, from the radio to ask me some question, I said, I would like to learn from you how to be calm for just one moment. And don't be worried, because if I am eating my breakfast, I will thinking what I'm going to do. I have to do that. We ha don't have enough time. There's just one year, and we start running and running. So it is hard feeling to feel like just one year? No, it's not. Thank you. Uh, I had, I have a question. Uh, when uh, my husband Terry and I were in Germany, uh, after we were there a couple of weeks, we realized that uh, as long as we kept speaking English to each other, we weren't training our brain to, to speak the German. So we made an agreement that we would only speak German to each other as well. We, uh, uh, we didn't have very many conflicts because we couldn't speak fast enough. <laughs> so that was a positive. Uh, so 
it, it's very hard though, uh, especially when you have younger children, because you want the younger children to have your original language. So is, is there any thought in your family that maybe at some point each day, maybe for an hour, you would only speak English to each other and no Arabic? Uh, or sometime on the weekend or something. Has that ever been discussed as a family? Oh, yeah. I think it is the uh, advice we have heard every time I meet my friends. They said, make 10 minutes on a breakfast or somewhere just to speak English. But it is, I, I do it with my siblings and sometimes with my mother. But I don't do it that much with my dad because my dad, he I think we all of us depend on him, and we put him in a brochure, and he already, he was already in a brochure. My dad he built for us a very lovely flat in Syria, but now he's just zero, so we can't put him under this brochure again because uh, he still and we believe the family is important. So I can't embarrass my dad and say let's speak English now. <laughs> it's just something I will make him maybe like. I don't want to put him in this situation, and he said no to me because I had no my dad. I had idea about my dad. He's never tell me something I don't know about it. I think my dad is a superman dad. He know everything. So when I ask him, he just gave me directions that answer. But if I will tell him to speak with me English, and he said no, I don't want to put him, to put him in this situation. But yeah, I will speak with my sister and my brother. And the problem starts to be when I translate, translate to my parents. Sometimes it's like one word. I start to forget which means in Arabic. And I need like, save me one moment to give you the word. So yeah. <laughs> um, on that topic, so as, um, as our team at E-Settlement Services, we actually encourage families to just continue to speak their language as much as possible because research shows that um, as long as language and literacy levels go up in your home language, um, you have more capacity for those levels to go up in a new language. So the more that they read in Arabic, the better they'll read in English. Um, so we encourage them to maintain those. And this is actually a really interesting point um, on the topic of newcomer youth. As this is a really unique challenge that newcomer youth in particular face versus their adult counterparts is that because they speak so much English, because their social groups tend to become more English than their parents' social groups, um, they have to walk this line forever of being, like you said, like both nationalities, right? She's Syrian and Canadian, and she will forever have to walk those lines of remembering Arabic and learning English and trying to navigate that that line in those two worlds. So uh, we always encourage them to speak as much Arabic as possible at home for that. Hi, my name is, uh, I forgot to mention it before, Kim Peterson. Um, I was just wondering, uh, what's the uh, employment situation with, among the uh, Syrian refugees? Uh, they have, they have, uh, they are allowed to work in Canada, right? Uh, are there any uh, uh, adults working now, and uh, uh, how, how, how is that working out? For their work uh, issues, they can work anything they want, and it is depends on their ability in their language. Like a person who has perfect English, he can work anything he wants. It's different when a person has like one percent of English. 
So it is the work depends about their English and about if they can do it or not. And yeah, they allow to work. They can work. Yeah, and, and I'll just clarify that sort of um, the, the working. Um, so when folks who are approved as um, United Nations refugees, when they arrive in Canada, um, they immediately gain permanent resident status. And so that makes them eligible to work. So for example, and that, that applies to all folks with permanent resident status. My dad came from Ireland as an immigrant and worked for 35 years before he became a Canadian citizen. Um, yeah, so the, um, the sort of the work situation is that we talked about the one year. Many Syrian refugees, who, folks who came as refugees, have now passed that first year and gone into what is called in the sector month 13 um, and beyond. And so they are now outside of the financial support <coughs> of the government or their private sponsor. And now they are responsible for their own finances um, and their own income. And so many, many, many families are working now. Um, but like you mentioned, many are destined, many of the adults are destined for entry-level jobs or labor jobs that don't require the English because they didn't have time in that first year to gain enough English to work in their field. So, but many are, and many are working, and <laughs> Just a comment, um, uh, many of you were here when Ryan Dewitt came and spoke about the uh, uh, ecumenical refugees that uh, uh, 24th, uh, 43rd Street Mennonite and two United Churches, McKellop and Codale, uh, sponsored, ecumenical, ecumenical sponsorship. sponsorship was. And um, uh, the, the news about the two males that first came, they've been here now a year and a half, almost, uh, they are working at Hall, both of them, and full-time jobs. And the women are doing some part-time jobs. So uh, the women have, uh, in, in Duke, the uh, mother's case, they have uh, better English than the men, but the men are managing at their jobs, and uh, probably their English is growing, uh, hopefully good English. Uh, uh, somebody said maybe they're learning some of those a little off-color English words, but anyway, hope not um, too many, and and so there's they're self-reliant because they're no longer part of the sponsorship. Although the good news is the last group of that family have arrived Wednesday night, right, Maureen? Yeah. Yesterday afternoon. So now there are 17 from that uh, family here, and as you said, the family is so important, <coughs> and and so. We're anticipating that your other part of your family gets here before too long. They've got their papers done, and they're just waiting and waiting and waiting as it goes. So let's give a good round of applause and, 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 and.